So today I am going to ask God specifically to really open your hearts and mind to the word. I am in my third installment on Seasons of Change. And uh, I believe God has led me there for a purpose. And today, today's message in the series Seasons of Change is a new season and a new system. A new season and a new system. And so I'll outline that system for you. I pray that the practicality of this message and, and how it applies to your life will just spring forth in your soul a brand new revelation i pray for a revelatory word it's a simple word it, it's it's one you've heard before but i hope and trust and pray and believe god that it would be new like a rhema word to you in in your circumstance in your situation so we're still in genesis chapter 1 verses 11 through 13. So probably won't be moving out of that. We'll be just bringing different facets of that same scripture each time as we go through um, <clears throat> this series of message. So Lord, I thank you. And I surrender myself to your holy care. My mind, my will, my emotions, everything about me, Lord, that you would use me this morning as an instrument as a tool, Lord, to bring revelation to your people, to break simple, simple truths into, Lord, just gigantic revelations in their life, Lord. The simpleness of the word, Lord, just unfold it, Lord. Unfold it, reveal it, break it open, Lord. Break it open, Lord God, and, and let it just germinate in our hearts. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bring health and healing and wholeness to your people this morning. Hallelujah. Okay. So in Genesis chapter 1, 11 and 13, it said, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself. I would like for you to kind of underline that for me in your Bible because that has been the kernel of all I've been talking about for the last three weeks or so. The seed is in itself. This is something when you get it today will change how you look at tomorrow and all the tomorrows of your life. The seed is in itself. Pay attention to that. That's kind of where I'm going to center around this morning. Upon the earth, and it was so, and the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. So we've had the first day, last week we had the second day, and now we're in the third day, right? There's so much I want to say from within this small portion of scripture. There's a lot. 
We are reading here about a new season, a new creative day. It's the second day and then the third day, but now it's become another day. Day one, day two, day three, and every day something happened and God said that it was good. Now, I kind of gave a, a prelude at the first message that when he had finished and he'd come to the seventh day, he says, and it was very good. And he made man and it was very good. So every day was, it was good, but when he had that ultimate expression of his divine spark, that mind creative thing that he had and he decided to make man, say, no, this was very good. And I think I told you that you are the express image of all that God had in his mind. And that's a baffling thought to me because with all of our flaws and hang-ups and shortcomings, how could God say that you are it? I am it. How could God look at me, an imperfect being, and, and says, as he relates it to all of his creation, says, you, it's, it's you. I mean, all this stuff for you to enjoy, but at the end of the day, it's about you. It's about you. I'm, so regardless of your condition, regardless of your situation, he said, it's all about you. I made this for you. So, so I, want, I, I, want you, I, I want you to say with me this morning, last week we had a declaration, a new season. This week, I want you to make another declaration. And here it is. God ain't finished with me yet. Can you do that? God is not finished with me yet. Now, I know circumstances might be driving you. I know conditions might be a little bit off and not where you want it to be. I know you might be a little bit frustrated with things. We all are. But de declare this morning, God isn't finished with me yet. He's still working on me. He is still working on me. We must understand that God is a systematic God. God puts systems in place. He does things in his order. It may look like chaos to you, but in the end, you will understand what he's doing. He is a revelatory God and he reveals things. He's a systematic God, like in systems, D1, D2, D3, systems he's put in place. He doesn't get mixed up. God is not mixed up about what he's doing. Amen. He doesn't become discombobulated. I've been saying that word for about 100 years. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if that is a, re it is a real word, but it's one of those words that you're going like, what does that even mean? Discombobulated. Did somebody just stumble out of bed and said discombobulated? <laughs> so it's by divine order, decree, and declaration that the events of each creative season took place. So, can I say it? God is organized. Nothing happens out of accident. He's not ashamed when things don't go the way we think they ought to. In his mind, everything happens for a reason, in his timing and for his glory. Are you getting this? Yes. Our God is a God of organization. He's a God of arrangement. He's a God of procedures. So I go back to Genesis 1, 11 through 13 again. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass. 
the herb yielding seed and the fruit yielding the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself i really want you to hear that upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself and god saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the third day now what's the only difference between these portions of scripture that we're reading it's it's pretty much the same thing is said but it's this is the first day this is the second day this is the third day so basically the same structure is being put in place seed is in itself first day second day third day. the seed is in itself see god wasn't planning on recreating every single tree that would ever grow on this planet neither was he planning on recreating over and over and over again a blade of grass every time one needed to be grown on the earth just think about that the seed is in itself god wasn't planning on just recreating a, a blade of grass when that one died then go back and plant another one and when that one died go back and plant another one see he's putting a system in place right so you don't have to go plant back a grass every time a grass, grass dies, plant back a grass. He's putting a system in place. Mm. See, he wasn't planning to be nobody's gardener. <laughs> okay? God wasn't planning to be anybody's gardener. So he created a system for all of that. It was the seed that was in itself he didn't produce trees, flowers, and grass for the animals to eat and not have a system for it to re reproduce itself. Because if the animals ate all the grass and stuff like that, and there wasn't a system in place for it to reproduce itself, the earth would be barren. So God had to set a system in place to keep the earth reproducing its source of energy and supply to sustain itself. The seed was in itself. Okay? Then go doing over the same thing over and over again. Something to regenerate itself. What is the seed? The seed is the future. The seed is the future. The future is in the seed. The seed is the future. So, whatever comes after the seed is something that is for the future that reproduces for the future and makes the future profitable seed in itself you're gonna get this before i get done i know you would it means that something is going to continue it meant that a system was in place that was going to sustain the next generations and future workings of God will in the earth. The seed would provide for the future and the next generation and the next generation while you're on the earth. See, without it, the next season would collapse. The beginning of the year? Without that system in place, 
the future would collapse. Because if the seed isn't in itself, if the future isn't in the seed in itself, and you consume that, there's nothing tomorrow. There's nothing to look forward to tomorrow. Listen up, boys and girls. <laughs> Without it, the next day of promise would starve to death. So God placed and put in place a system that would sustain what it was that he wanted to do next. Whatever God wanted to do next, he put a system in place to create the next moment for you, to sustain in the next moment. See, if you want grass to grow in your yard, you'll put on some seed, right? I used to take pride in my lawn when I lived in Oklahoma. I had a beautiful lawn with the pride and joy of the neighborhood. If you want Kentucky bluegrass, guess what you're going to do? You're going to plant Kentucky bluegrass seed. Right? If you want rye, you're going to plant rye. If you want fescue, you're going to plant fescue. But don't wait on God to show up like Santa Claus to do a miracle of grass every time there's a dead spot in your yard. Don't expect God to become Santa Claus. Every time there's a dead spot, he comes with new grass. No, 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 no. You got a dead spot? Plant some seed. Amen. Amen. Oh, you won't get this before we leave. You got a dead spot, plant some seed. Don't go in the backyard praying, God, would you send a miracle and send some grass? Plant some seed. He put a system in place to reproduce itself for the next generations and generations to come. It's called seed. Seed is future. You have dry spot, dead spot, put some seed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Water it. <laughs> Fertilize it. Protect it. That is the system. That is the system. Something's dead. Plant seed. Water seed. Fertilize seed. Protect seed. Seed is in itself. Seed will grow and produce for the next generations to come. So don't ask God for a miracle because you're seeing a dead spot. How many of you here know we're not talking about grass this morning? We're not talking about grass. <laughs> grass, the larger concept here. I'm telling you, this is a rhema word, a revelatory word. Some of y'all got some things inside you that's seed in itself. 
Oh my God. And you asking God for a miracle for tomorrow and he's saying to you, I got a tree inside you already, son. I got a tree inside you already, daughter. I got something inside you already. Stop floundering trying to figure out what's your purpose or what's the next step or what's the next direction. I got seed in you. Seed is the future. I got seed in you. Listen, I wanted to be a doctor. I said that several times. I wanted to be a medical doctor. I sincerely and genuinely believe I was going to be a medical doctor. At age 14, I started designing stuff, apparatuses to help with asthma patients and breathing and all that kind of stuff. And I knew I was on my way to great greatness. That wasn't the seed in me. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> that wasn't the seed in me. No. Now, in a kind of way, I do have a doctorate, but that was not the original intent in my heart. What seed he put in me was a seed that could be replicated in hundreds of thousands of people's lives to bring them to a place of freedom. So my seed for my future was the gift in me to impart the Holy Spirit to break chains and bonds, loosen and undo heavy burdens, and set captives free. That was my seed. That was my seed. And that seed has caused many, many a growth in many lives across continents and across this country. That was my seed. The seed was in itself. Okay, for those of you who have, let me make a distinction here. Woo! <laughs> many of you who have worked for companies for many years and you're now in retirement and every day is Saturday. <laughs> well, they have six Saturdays and one Sunday. That's, 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 that's how some people live their lives. But, you know, okay. For years and years and years, you put seed into something so that when your season of change came along, you don't have to die after you left that job. You get a retirement. You get a pension. You've been putting seed. So I said, God, what about me? I didn't work for no major corporation and I didn't put away this and that and that. And God said to me, your seed was your faith. So your seed was your faith. You sow seeds of faith over and over and over and it caused a crop in so many dead lives. For years, your seed was your faith that you deposited into lives, into your own life. And when your season of change comes, your faith will continue to reproduce a crop for you for that change of season. Yes, yes. Are you hearing me this morning? Yes, yes, yes. 
my faith was my seed. Are you getting this? See, on the third day, God created and put into place a once and for all system for the seasons that the earth was in at that moment. And that one season would feed the earth and replenish the earth for eons of times to come. Because God set a system in place for it to happen that way. I'm wondering, and I'm curious, not just the day one and the day two or the day three in our lives, but I'm wondering about all the seasons of our lives and what will ultimately be the culmination of God's will and purposes in our lives. Here's the message. If you're going to enter into a new season, there's going to have to be a new system put in place to sustain that new season. Amen. Let me say that again. Amen. If you're going to enter into your new season, there's going to have to be a new system put into place to sustain you in that new season. Start thinking about this because I'm going to get a little bit wonky with you here in a little bit. <laughs> Put a system in place. Put a system in place. Maybe you could put a faith system in place. You could begin to decide what your seed would be and begin to put a seed system in place. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. I'm also unlikely portion of scripture to bring home my point and drive home my point. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. This is why sometimes when I'm teaching you all in deliverance class to command them things to go to the dry places. Because that's where they go, to dry places. And they walk about, they walk about, walk about, walk about. Looking for somebody to come back to. He walketh about through dry places, seeking rest. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. And he findeth none. Then he said, this is the unclean spirit now. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. I may pause my scripture to have you just see one more time. I got to put a system in place. Yes, say it for me now. I got to put a system in place. Watch it here in the scripture. This spirit got cast out of a man. And he went and he roamed the dry places. And then he kind of said to himself, you know, I ain't prospering out here. Let me go back to where I came from. And he found a place, swept and garnished and all that, but no system in place. <laughs> he found no system in place. I hope you're hearing me with your spirit. And because he found no system in place, he says, 
I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fill it up with my system. Because he didn't put a system in place. When he got delivered from his stuff, he didn't put a system in place. So I'm coming back and I'm bringing seven times worse than what I had before. Woo! You're going to love this. I know you're going to love this. So then he goeth and taketh with him, himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so it shall be unto this wicked generation. See, in verse 43, the spirit was pushed out of the person's life. But that spirit liked it where he was. He liked where he was. He was comfortable there. This morning I was talking with Randy, and Randy said to me, there is no growth in comfortable. There's no growth in comfortable. You don't grow when you're comfortable. When you're comfortable, you don't stretch. When you're comfortable, you just stay right where you are. A body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. That's true in the physical realm. It's true in the spirit realm. So he goes and he says to himself, I like where I used to be. I was comfortable there. I could control some things there. I could make them behave in a particular way that they were baffled and befuddled and discombobulated over and over, season after season, wondering why I keep doing this stupid stuff. It's stupid, it hurts me, but why I keep doing it? Because you had a comfortable demon who had control of some things in that area and he got kicked out and once he got kicked out, he's going like, I can't make it out here. I'm going back there. He goes back there. There is no system in place. Once in a while, he was even appreciated. So he says, I can't find rest in no one else. So I'm coming back home with seven bigger and badder spirits. Why? Why? This has been one of the most profound revelation i'm serious that i have embarked upon in all my years of preaching i have preached this message i mean this scripture taught it using the deliverance and finally my big head just exploded bigger why did he come back with seven more bad spirits because he didn't want to get kicked out again oh yeah Oh yeah, he got comfortable where he was. He had rule of the house. There was no system in place to keep him out. So he decides, I want to go back and live there. And since there were no checks and balances in there, I'm going back in there. And this time, I'm taking seven of the baddest dude on the block with me because this time, I don't want to get kicked out again. Can I say, well, <laughs> I don't want to get put out again. So I'm bringing my posse with me. <laughs> Ooh, these are what we call strongholds.
Let me do a Charlie Chaplin for you. These are strongholds. These are spirits that got kicked out. Brought back others with them. And they're saying, I don't want to leave. I'm going to force you and twist you and contort you to do what you don't want to do over and over again because I got seven big, bad, worse dudes than myself. I don't want to leave here. So when you're coming up against a stronghold, you're coming up against a spirit that enjoyed the comforts of Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> You left the light on for him. And so he's come back. And he doesn't want to get out. Now get this. Now come on, come on people. I know I'm preaching. <laughs> give, give that young man a seat there for me. He says, I, I, I can't afford, I can't get, I can't get treated like this nowhere else. These people in this new environment wouldn't put up with me. Man, you remember when Jesus met the demonic, the demoniac in the, in, in, in the cemetery and, and, and he had a legion of demons in him and, and Jesus cast that demon out. They said 6,000 demons left. Jesus put a system in place in that guy. And the demons couldn't go back. Absolutely because they confronted him. Remember what it says? Oh, son of David. <laughs> Remember? You read the story? Yes. What, have, you, have you come to persecute us? Oh, he recognized the Godhead yeah. in Jesus. And he recognized the power that he had confronted, the authority that he had confronted. And Jesus cast him out, put a system in place. And the devil looked back at the guy and realized, not while Jesus is there. Oh boy, I can't go back while he's there. So they decided to commit suicide instead. I often refer to it as piggy side because 6,000 pigs rush over the cliff and drown themselves. They committed suicide. They couldn't go back as long as Jesus was there. <laughs> a new season, a new system. You got to get a system in place to prevent the stronghold or the reinvasion of this demonic power in your life. You got to have a system. Woo! Somebody, somebody, you got to have a system. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 45 says the state of that man was worse than it was in the beginning. Now he has that spirit back in his life, but along with it, he has seven worse and stronger spirits who have moved in also. And we can't figure out why we can't stop doing what we're doing. Why I keep getting myself in this pattern, this rut, this overwhelming influence, to do the same stupid thing over and over again. And remember, I have categories for that, right? Regular strength stupidity, commercial grade stupidity, and industrial strength stupidity. I don't know where you fit on that, but, 
You can't keep doing the same thing. Yes. When you find yourself doing the same thing yes. over and over again, let me give you a hint. You have a stronghold. You have a stronghold. And some of us in here can fix that. We can fix that. We can, you, you, you bring us, we can fix that. We can fix that and put a system in place so that you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to question yourself, why am I this week? Why am I keep doing this thing over and over and over again? Because a system wasn't in place. That devil didn't want to leave. He was enjoying the comforts of home. He had control. He had, sometimes you even appreciated him when you think you had a minor victory because of him. So you give him credence. That's a stronghold. Yeah, boy. God's creative DNA is inside of us. We are made in his image and in his likeness. So we have the ability to do something that the enemy hopes no one will ever understand and get a hold of. Well, you're understanding today. The enemy is counting on you not understanding seasons and systems. He's counting on you not understanding the system. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. He is counting on you not understanding to put a system in place to say to that devil, no. You're not welcome here anymore. <laughs> There's a song on the radio that goes something like that. You're someone that I used to know. Uh, think with Diana Ross. Eh, let's move on. <laughs> we have the ability to create and place systems in our lives that would not allow the enemy back into our lives. So, Pastor, what is the system? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me start to break down the system for you. Hmm? One of those systems that I will capitalize on this morning is, you ready for it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know the one we just banter about all the time and talk about Holy Spirit, Spirit lead me, Spirit lead me. One of those systems primary of the system is the Holy Spirit of God. This is why we need the Holy Spirit living in us so that those spirits will not find an empty vessel when they come back. It was the absence of the Holy Spirit that gave them the freedom to occupy. When you put the system in place and you bring the spirit in and he comes back, as he opens that door, he sees the Holy Spirit and goes, ah, can't stay here. Amen. Can't stay here. Can't stay. Gotta go. There is a sign that says, no soliciting. <laughs> no vacancies. I can't come back in there. The guy done going and put something up that's a big deterrent for me coming back in. The Holy Spirit. Jesus knew what he was doing when he told the new church being formed 
in the book of Acts, go into Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. Go wait. You've been struggling. You've been asking, when will the kingdom be restored? When are you going to set up your new kingdom, God? When would the governance of God be? And God says, go to Jerusalem. Do some praying. Do some fasting. Do some waiting. And wait for the Holy Spirit. System number one, the Holy Spirit. It is still integral to all that we do or will ever be. Listen, you can be all that you can be. You can rise. Listen, a little guy can climb out of you and just be Superman incarnate and just burst forth in this world scene and change lives forever as long as you allow that Holy Spirit back in you. Are you hearing me? Yes. Young people, older people, people as old as me, people older than me. Are you hearing me? <laughs> I'm picking on you, James. <laughs> System number one. Get the Holy Spirit in your life. Yeah. It's as simple as an invitation. It's as simple as laying your life down. It's as simple as, God, I want nothing but you in my life. Right? So Jesus knew that, and he said, go wait. Go wait in Jerusalem and wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He knew they were coming into a season where they were going to need his power. They're going to need the power of the Holy Ghost. He knew persecution was coming. Yes. Nothing could make people quit, drop, and run like persecution. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Put them through a trial that was supposed to make them. And they're like, God, I was better off back in Egypt. Yeah, they were punishing me, all that, and they were feeding me scraps and working me 12 hours a day, but at least I had a house, <laughs> but with a taskmaster. I had clothing, but with confinement. I had bread, but with toil. You should have left me where I was. But when you were left where you were, you were crying all the time. Help us, Lord. Save us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Save us, Lord. And then God delivered them. And then when a little trial came, it was the first thing they said to God, why did you bring me out here to die in the desert? Why did you bring me out here to die in the desert? He knew persecution was coming. He knew they were going to face obstacles that they'd never faced before. He knew adversity wasn't free. He knew that the next season had in store and he wanted to ensure that those who believe in him could be more than conquerors see if you're not careful 
The stuff that you get rid of in your life will come right back in there if there's room in your life for it. God knows that. That that thing can come right back in if you didn't put a system in place. This is where you have to make a decision. This is where you have to replace the void with something else. And the something else that God has given us, first and foremost, was his spirit. This is what he said when the church was born, when it was given birth in Jerusalem, when they were up in the upper room. This is what was his first choice for putting the church on a level footing and beginning to give them a place where they can sustain themselves and defend themselves. He says, go and wait there until you get the Holy Spirit. Why did they have to wait? A lot of people think they're ready that they're not ready. Waiting will make you know if you're ready. Waiting will make you know if you're ready. Everybody wants stuff right now. Right now. You need to get an understanding of what you want sometimes before you get it. Because when you get it and you don't have an understanding of what it is you want, you will abuse it. Most of the abuse that I see in my other life other than preaching is from people who don't understand how to treat and treasure what they have. So they abuse it. Kids are abused because parents don't know how to treat kids. Because they were treated badly themselves. And so it just hands down and hands down and hands down and down and they don't know how to do it. So wait. Wait for the spirit. Empty yourself. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. God, how does this help or hurt my cause to receive your spirit? And when God shows you, you say, okay, that's something I got to get rid of. Put a system in place. Say with me this morning, I'm putting a system in place. I'm putting a system in place. I'm putting a system in place. I'm done with this foolishness. I'm done. This thing ain't going to ride me no more. I'm done with this foolishness. You are next level people. You are next level people. You are revolutionary people. You are people who are going to turn this place upside down. When you grab a hold of what I'm teaching this morning, a new season, a new system, you will turn this place upside down. You won't be afraid to walk into your job tomorrow and make some decrees and declaration and just expect it's going to happen. You know why? Because I'm in the right place. Devil ain't got no hold on me. I got to get what God's got for me. Devil, you ain't got no hold on me. I settle this. <laughs> I quit chewing and dipping and spitting and everything else. You ain't got no hold on me. I quit smoking and drinking and running around. and I quit, You ain't got no hold on me. I quit stealing and cheating and lying. You ain't got no hold on me. All the things that you could bring as an accusation because he's the accuser of the brethren, I have 
carefully excoriated my life and ruled them out. You don't have no hold on me. I stand in a place to receive the power, the inherent power of God's Holy Spirit and make a decree or a declaration. It shall be so. Yes. Shall be so. I'm done with this foolishness. So if you're not careful, the stuff that you get rid of, if you don't put the system in place, it's going to leave a vacant room for that seven other guys to come right back. This is where you have to make a decision. And something else that God has given us is his spirit. God doesn't have to recreate something new for every person who's fighting off some spirit, no matter how big or how indwell it is. No. There are some things that he has placed in this world that will protect us, provide for us, and keep us in the season that God is taking us into. James chapter 4 and verse 7. James chapter 4 and verse 7. System? Here's the system. Submit. <laughs> Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is not a suggestion. One of the, one of the systems is submission. So don't answer me all at once, or don't even answer me aloud. Are you submitted? Are you submitted to God? Are you submitted to godly authority? God has order. God has order in place. One of them is the Holy Spirit. One of them is submission. You know, you can't get the Holy Spirit to do nothing in your life if you're not submitted. Holy Spirit comes and he wants to do something and he's going like, well, how is your submission going? Hmm. Man, you don't even listen to your pastor. And you want me to give you this powerful thing, it'll blow up inside you and burn you up. For me to give you this, I'm going to have to build an asbestos suit all around you because you're going to burn up. Are you submitted? Are you submitted one to another? Hmm? Are you submitted to any kind of leadership, any kind of authority, any kind of spiritual covering? Are you submitted to wise counsel? Do you keep counsel that is wise and godly? Do you have people who could support you and pray for you? Do you have a husband or wife? Are you in submission? Or are you saying, he ain't the boss of me? <laughs> You're my daddy. You can't tell me what to do. Are you submitted? Do you recognize spiritual authority when you see it? And for what it's worth, submit to it. God put a system 
in place. He has given us a system to sustain us in our seasons. It will bring to fruition the same result every time. It will work the same for you as it does for me and for every other person who submitted God. Here's another system. Prayer. There is a system of prayer. Prayer is basically talking to God. Having a conversation. Just like you have a conversation with another person, prayer is having a conversation with God. Prayer is not just, when I was small and growing up, uh, we didn't know better, so it worked, I suppose. I don't know, maybe not. But they used to teach us this prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. What the, what is that? I guess it's a good start. Yeah. But I am prayer. Right. Prayer is talking to God. Yes, it is. That's a poem that you learn and you recite. Now I lay me down. That's something you say at night for good luck, I guess. I don't know. Now I now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I die before I wake. No, just just analyze that one part. If I die before I wake. How would you know? <laughs> if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's not prayer. That's some nice sounding words that we were taught and, and it sustained us. So let's not knock it all the way back. It sustained us. It, it at least gave us some smidgen of a connection to a deity, a higher principle. But the system we're talking about is deep Earnest prayer, travailing in prayer, going to God, before God, with your heart's need, emptying yourself, being in full submission, having the Holy Spirit pray with you with utterances that cannot be expressed. Yes, yes. With deep groanings that come from the Spirit. With travailing before God and listing before God all the things that you know that you shouldn't be doing. And God, please take by your spirit empowerment. Please, please rid me of this. Take this from me, Lord. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And so as a result of that, I'm going to go to system number three. I'm going to fast. Holy Spirit, submission, praying. Fasting. Anytime you say no to your flesh and yes to the spirit, you are only cleaning your house. You are placing some things in order that will keep you in your season. Let's go to the next system in place. Big, bold, and obvious. Get into the word. Get into the word. And you will hear a voice whispering behind you that says, this is the way, walk ye in it, and you shall find rest for your souls. I live by that principle. I go into situations as an empty slate several times a week, knowing that that situation is going to drive a word out of me for that situation. And you know how it happens? 
because I put it in ahead of time. I don't walk around with a whole Bible shuffling around in my head any given time of the day, but I walk around with a whole Bible in my head that God will pull parts out when I need it. He says, when you are delivered up amongst men, I will put words in your mouth. So I read it and I shut the book. When God wants me to say it, and when the Spirit demands it, he's going to cause that word to come up. And that word would flood my soul, and that word will meet that person. You know what is my principal scripture that I had my practice when I first started in Texas? It was Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. Can somebody find that for me? Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. It used to be on my business cards. I think it's still on our website. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The word God has given me the tongue, the word that I should know how to speak, a word in season to him who is worthy. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the word. You hear that? Wow. Somebody read that again for me. Wow. <laughs> read again. That is the word God gave me in 1995. I was in Arlington, Texas in 1995 and God just blew that word up in my spirit and said, this is how you will live your life. Read it for me again. Somebody else. Give me another version if you might. If God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You hear that? A word in what? Season. Seasons of change. God will give me a word in season. And let me explain that to you. He would give me a word in season. That means he would give me a word for you in your season. When you come before me and you sit before me, that would be your season. The word will be his word, but he will give me his word in your season. Yes. Come on, yes. Come on say it again. Yes. He'll give me his word for your season. I don't walk around with your word in your season 24-7. I don't even know what it is, but when I'm put there, a word comes to my spirit. And that word is for your season. The tongue of the learned. He awakens me. Morning by morning. You think it's some mistake that I get up 3 o'clock every day? I don't wake up 3 o'clock every day because I like waking up at 3 o'clock. I like sleeping just like him. I wake up at 3 o'clock because God is giving me a word. He's instructing my tongue. He says, I am learned and wise, but in his wisdom. And so he's filling me with things that I will encounter in the daytime. I see stuff at 3 o'clock in the morning that I will run into at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm already ahead of it. Because I have woken up at 3 in the morning. He's given me the tongue of the Lord. And a word in season. 
And so at three, I get instructions. <laughs> you know, I know I freak my son out sometimes. <laughs> and I would call him because I'm praying and God just wants me to love on him. You know, I, I love my son. I'm telling you what. I love my kids. I love my kids. No, they're my kids. I love them. I will do anything for my son, for my kids, anything. And so when I call him sometimes, how are you doing? I'm going good. Friday I call him. Was it Friday or Thursday I call him? I just had a normal conversation with him. And then I said, I said, all right, well, okay, I just want to say hi. And he said, no, 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 no. What God telling you? I, you don't just call me just like that. <laughs> he, he, he checked me. He, he, he gave me a God check. He's like, Mm-mm, you don't just do this, Dad. What God saying? Tell me what he's saying. I know he told you something. <laughs> he God checked me. Because we like that. Yes. And he know I don't call him because I, I call him because I love him. I like to hear from him and all that kind of stuff. But my kids, God, if I see something tonight, I go to praying like crazy instantly. Yes. Yes. And I want to call and check and see, is everything all right? Because what I'm seeing, I know I need to pray you through today. You are having challenges on your job. You have a supervisor who is as, well, let's keep this holy. <laughs> And you need strength to make it through that day. And so I'm calling you. How are you doing, son? Okay, I just want to call. No, 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 no. You don't do that, dad. When you call me, you heard from God. You heard from God. When I call anyone of y'all, out of the clear blue sky. Right? He don't normally call me. What do you call me for? Trust me. In the wee hours of the morning, you came and you invaded my space. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go to war. Yes. I got to go to war. Mm-hmm. That comes from putting yourself in the word. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So that word could come back to you in somebody's season. Mm-hmm. Here's another system. Everybody said, I love this system the most. <laughs> Some of y'all seeing it go like, I know what he's coming up with, so I'm not sure I want to say that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know if I want to say what he's telling me to say. Yeah, I love this season the most. This season is based on the word. Making church a priority Amen. is part of the system. Yeah. Huh? Done, done, and done. Making church a priority is part of the system. Yes, it is. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as such as is common amongst men. Church has got to be an important part of your life. Church is not something that you schedule twice a month. You write on your calendar and you go like, well, let me see how much I can give well church the month. month. I'll, I'll go the first Sunday and the third Sunday. Unless you're operating on solar energy, you need more gas than that. All right. 
You need a power infusion. You need a power injection. And you get that when you come together amongst the body. Listen. Sometimes the body aches. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the body hurts. But you got to work through that pain. Running from that pain don't help you. <laughs> Running from that pain don't help you. Running from that pain causes you to learn how to nurse a pain. <laughs> how to make a comfortable place for a pain. And it doesn't help you. You will be stronger for the obstacles that you face and overcome. I'm going to say that again. You will be stronger for the obstacles that you face and overcome. You need to find yourself in the house of the Lord. You need to find yourself in the house of the Lord. Making church a priority is a system for worship and for word and for keeping yourself. Sunday is where our spiritual strength comes from. The worship, the fellowship, the word, the ministry one to another, the involvement with one another. This is where we get spiritual energy and spiritual strength to get us through some of the stuff that would want to destroy our relationship with God and keep us from entering into the new season. I need you. You need me. That's not an arrogant statement. I bring stuff from the throne room of God. And if for nothing else, you need to hear that when I bring it. Because it's a word in your season. It's a word in your season. I need you. I'm not ashamed to say it. I need every last one of y'all in here. I get along with everybody. I am such a nice person. (laughs) I get along with everybody. I have no enemies at all. Everybody loves me. Remember Stuart Smiley on Saturday Night Live? I am good, I am kind, I am wonderful, and everybody loves me. That's way back before you all even know Saturday Night Live. Anyhow, he then became a senator from Minnesota. His picture name was Stuart Smiley. 
Hmm? Moving on. He was just being, he's just being funny and stupid. But, but really, I got to learn to get along with everybody. It is so easy for me to look at something at anybody and say, you know what? I don't want to deal with you nor your mess. But we have to love people. We have to love people. You have to love them till you overcome. Love them. Remember, part of our basic, basic core values, see the person. See the potential. And see the promise in them. Would people make you mad? Absolutely 24-7. Would that make you stop coming to church? It shouldn't. I'm going to love you all the same. If you're mean and nasty to me, I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still come and put a big old hug on you. And, and it, like, let, let's do this again, Rhonda. Come on. Let's do this again. Let's do this again till they get it. Come on. Throw your arms around me. You can't heat up this close. You can't heat up this close. Get that in your spirit. Get that in your spirit. You can't hate up this close. Hug somebody. They may not want, just hug the living daylights out of them all the same. They may be going, eh, eh, eh. just hug them still. You're going to break them soon enough. And they're going to learn to love you back and hug you back. You know what it is to share a heartbeat with somebody else? You can't do that from a distance. I have studied some things in the Native American culture. And there's a way to see whether you're a kindred spirit by putting their hand on your chest. They're touching your heart. You have to learn to touch people's heart. Yeah. Now, young men, Please, don't go touching ladies' heart. <laughs> Some of you men understand how to touch the heart. Because <laughs> if you're aiming straight, you might get in trouble. You might get a slap across your head. Okay? Let's move on. You're getting something from this? If you want to maintain the season that you're in, you're going to have to put some systems into place so that certain things are allowed and other things aren't allowed to happen in your life. I can stand up here all day and give you example after example of how things need to be to, to be better Christians. But the, the bottom line is simply this. The same Holy Spirit that speaks to me will speak to you. If you would listen, he would speak to you. And when he does, it's up to you if you're going to allow him to work in your life. It's up to you if you're going to begin to make the changes that you need to make in order to live the way you want to live. What is that need to change? What is that you need to put into place to cause the change to continue? Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. A new season, a new system. A new season, a new system. 
Ephesians 1.13 In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. <laughs> you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The seed is in you. The Spirit is in you. The Spirit of promise. A promise is what? Something not yet fulfilled or realized. If I promise you that I'm going to buy you a Ford F-350 Duramax Turbo Diesel. <laughs> Whatever, nerd. <laughs> Up until I deliver that to you, it's a promise. Hold on to your seat. But the promise is in me to fulfill it for you. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So everything that you're going to get is in the seed of the promise, the Holy Spirit, that you will get. Oh man, you all didn't get that, did you? The seed. Let's read it again. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The promise is in the seed. The promise is in the seed. The promise of a future crop is in the seed. The promise of what you're going to get is in the Holy Spirit. The first system that you put in place, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of promise. Ooh, am I getting this across? The spirit of promise. God, you promised me this through your spirit. You promised me this through your spirit. You promised me life eternal. You promised me my sins forgiven. You promised me salvation. You promised me deliverance. You promised, you promised, you promised. And I will get this promise because the promise is in the spirit. <laughs> there ain't nothing we can't fix in this room. There ain't nothing we can't fix in this room <laughs> as long as we have the spirit of promise. Yes. We have that spirit of promise. Can I suggest that we consider the absolute importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit? If we're going to be successful in the season that God is bringing us into, we need to have the Holy Spirit abiding in our lives. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? This is why the infilling of the Holy Spirit is so important to the believer. 
There is a reason why Acts chapter 2 didn't happen until Jesus ascended into heaven and the day of Pentecost was fully come. There was a reason. Folks weren't ready for it yet. They had to detox themselves from their former lives. They had to slow down. They had to scale back. They had to examine themselves. They had to rid themselves of stuff. And so it took all that time waiting in the upper room and Jesus going back and then the spirit came. They were ready when he came. And today you and I are the beneficiaries of that movement when the spirit filled the upper room. You and I are the beneficiaries because he says, what? Well, we'll get there in a second. God didn't get his days or season mixed up. When it was time for disciples and followers to receive the Holy Spirit, it filled the house where they were sitting. It happened at the appropriate moment. It happened in its proper season. And when it did, it gave the church power it needed to become witnesses to the whole world. God put a place into place, a system, if you will, that would enable his people to live above sin. Let me make, let me, let me make, let me give you a revelation here. Hear me carefully. Listen carefully. The Holy Spirit is not going to prevent you from sinning. Pastor, after all you said, you're going to say that? Hear me out. The Holy Spirit is not going to prevent you from sinning. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you how not to sin. People who have the Holy Spirit sometimes go do sinful things. But people who really feast and live off the Spirit and His presence and power, He teaches them how not to. There's going to be a word in your ear that says, this is the way, walk in it and you'll find rest for your soul. He teaches you how not to. What would you rather have? Some kind of system that is on full automatic and you're a robot? Or would you have a system that teaches you how not to, how to identify, how to discern what is wrong, how to tell the difference between good and evil and then tell you to walk away from that. A wise man hears sin coming and he goes in the opposite direction. How much better it would be that the spirit infills us and he teaches us. He is our teacher. He's our guide. And he teaches you how not to do stuff. So like God left an onboard instructor with you and he constantly gives you instruction. Don't do this. Stay away from that. Cultivate this. Go here. Go there. Seek me. Pray before you do stuff. Don't just do stuff because it sounds good or feel good. Seek God before you do stuff, right? He put that in you. So when he... When, so when someone receives the Holy Ghost, the way they did it in the books of Acts, they receive it into their lives. A seed, if you will, that when planted in a believer's life will produce fruit. A seed, the seed of the Spirit, when planted in your life, will produce fruit. Remember the tree we talked about last week? Hmm? Remember the tree we talked about last week? He's not going to give you a chair. He's not going to give you a table. He's not going to give you a house. He gives you a tree. Mm -hmm. 
And from the tree, you make table and chair and houses. There's stuff inside you. There's stuff inside you. I'm going to say something that the Lord's been saying to me all week long and it's prophetic. And it's to my wonderful daughter-in-law. God told me that there is a seed in you. And that seed is the ability to make wealth happen. Because he's put a system inside you about wealth and money and management and that thing is going to explode mm. you are going to be calling for help pretty soon to handle the amount of accounts you're going to get mm. to set people's financial life in order mm -hmm. that's a word from the lord to you Praise there's a seed in you that's a word from god I have held on to that thing for about six days and wouldn't say a word about it. You know, I, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't bad pizza. So I held on to it. You know, a lot of people get worried and it's bad pizza. <laughs> they go, well, the Lord said, and when you look back, it was just bad pizza. You had indigestion. You need to sometimes sit with it and wait with it and see how God enhances it or throws it out or what, right? Or confine it or whatever. But that's what he said. He said, there's a seed. He said, I put a seed in you. You have an understanding that most people don't have. I don't pretend to have it. Quite frankly, I don't want it. I want the seed that's in me. The seed of faith. To leave the legacy of faith. To cause people to believe in an unusual circumstance that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. That's the seed. That's the seed that I have. Right? So remember, not the chair, not the table, not the house, a tree. Can I tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit is the tree? The Holy Spirit is a tree. Our tree is the Holy Spirit. It's not a genie in a magic lamp. It's a tree. What you do with it is up to you. How you allow it to work in your life is your decision. You can leave it in its raw form. You can allow it to do some pretty miraculous stuff in your life. The Holy Spirit is the seed that God gives the believer in their due season. The Holy Spirit is your seed in your due season. The Holy Spirit is your seed in your due season. One more time. The Holy Spirit is your seed in your due season. That's it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of Hesperia 
And no, I didn't. All right. It was it was it was all in Riyadh. Judea, Samaria, Hesperia. You shall be witnesses unto me. All the world. All the world. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We've been here three Sundays now. And we've had more visitors here than we had where we were. Come on now. All right. Come on, Peter. No, I'm not talking about people we invite. I'm talking about people just walking. Yes. Yeah. God. You gotta see and not miss the miracle. All right. See and don't miss the miracle. We are more strategically positioned now to have people just walking. We thank Louis for coming this morning. He's a guest at his house. He saw us here before. He knew we were here for a couple weeks. But today he decided, I'm coming down. And I know you're receiving the word of God. Terrence is here this morning. And you're here for a reason. This word is for you, Terrence. Oh, I already know. I got it last week. That's right. That's right. He called and he said, the Lord is telling him to come here. And already this morning, the Lord has already deposited into your spirit. He has given you a revelation this morning. And it is a revelation to break chains. He's given you a revelation this morning. That your new season is right as you walk out that door. When you walk out that door this morning. Oh God. You step into your new season. As you walk out that door this morning. You're stepping into your new season. Because you know this morning beyond a shadow of a doubt, God spoke to you and says, put the system in place. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you, Lord. You don't put that system in place, folks. I'm speaking to everybody now. That guy is going to want to come back with seven more bad spirits. Because he knows he had comfort there. And he don't want to get kicked out. And that's why he's bringing a crowd of them. Real thuggish gang mentality. I'm bringing a crowd with me because I don't want to get kicked out again. Amen. That was a revelation to me. Why seven spirits worse than the first one? So that they can't toss me out as easy. But we can fix that. We can fix that. All right? Someone might say, well, I don't want the Holy Ghost. Good luck. And may God have mercy on you. That's your decision. But understand you are missing out on a marvelous gift that is going to bring something to fruition in your life when you walk out this door this morning. Every one of you who heard this word, listen to me carefully. You're going to commit what is called a prophetic gesture this morning. I'm going to explain it to you. On purpose, on purpose, I'm promising you, testimonies are going to come flying off the hook. 
when you walk out that door this morning, I want you to declare, I am stepping into my new season. Do not walk out this room without declaring you're stepping into a new season. Make a prophetic gesture. I am stepping into my new season. I am putting systems in place. A season of change, a system. A system of change. God put something there in its due season in order for the world to be fed. God made something available for the church in Acts chapter 2 that would feed his church, the Holy Spirit. The seasons we are coming into, where is his spirit? What is he doing in our lives? How is it working to make us better? If we're going to come into the season of promise that God wants to bring us into, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. This is not the only season we're going to come into. There are other seasons he wants to bring you into. And in order for those seasons to be successful, and in order for life to remain in those seasons, we have to have the system in place that he desires for us to have. Can anybody tell me what's the system? Spirit? Prayer? Fasting? Word? Submission and church. That's the system. That's the system for your new season of change. So my question as I close, what are you going to do with this Holy Spirit? Do we leave him out of the new season? Do we try to get by without him? Do we ignore what he's saying to our lives? What are you going to do with him?